0: I'm going to read a scripture for you this morning from Ephesians chapter 5 and bring to you a message entitled, If God Can't Help Us, What Then? I know there are some people who've decided that God either can't or is just not going to help.
1: And I want to speak to those
0: people this morning. And I want to speak to every single person here who has a question about the level, that is the amount, the abundance, or the quality of the blessings that God delivers to your life. This is Ephesians chapter 5. I welcome you to read with me as I begin at the first verse. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us, gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then immediately he goes on to say, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude jesting, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, that last, that last phrase. I want you to put a paper tip on it, make a check mark by it, underline it in red. Just memorize it. We are to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Our lives are about pleasing God. Pleasing God produces great results and abundant blessings. Just as this pleasing God pulls you out of the area of God's outpoured favor. So I want to preach to you this morning this message based on try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Because if we don't find what is pleasing to the Lord, we will be walking in that area where God cannot bless us. And I'm going to tell you why. There is an area, a place, where we can be where God cannot bless us. There are many, many people who think that, well, I'm me, God knows me, and he understands me. He knows why I'm like I am, he knows who I am. Because of that, he's going to make allowances for me. And you're right up up to the very last part. He does know all of it. He's not going to make any allowances for you. (laughs) He's going to put you on the same basis of the same rules as everybody else. He's going to expect the same thing from you. And if you're going to have the blessings of God in your life, he's going to require the same thing of you. He's not going to make exceptions. He's not going to write a different book for you. You know, there's no me version of the Bible. Well, I know that I know it I know what Pastor read this morning in first in, in Ephesians chapter five. I know that's true. But I know I know this about me. It doesn't matter. Is what what's there is what's true. What's there is what's real. It doesn't matter if you think that one little part of it does apply to you. I take it all that one little part, I'm not sure about that. that. When it said that, pick anything you want to. When it said that about crude jesting, I like to tell a good joke. I like to have a good ribbon joke. I like to, yeah, well, I didn't make that up, friends. I just read it out of the book. If you want to be blessed of God, you better find out what this book says and decide that's what you're going to do and that's how you're going to live. If you want to be blessed of God. Here in basketball, forgive me for talking about this, I'm a little bit excited about it right now, <laughs> in basketball, when they put two teams out on the floor, there are ten men, ten young men out there to play the game, five on each side, and usually there's a couple other guys standing around in striped shirts who try to, they're there to mess up the game, no, no, no. <laughs> they're there to enforce the rules. You see, there's some guys who think it's all right for them to trip the other player if he doesn't get caught and doesn't It's okay. Well, if the referee sees that, he's dumb if he doesn't and blind if he doesn't. If the referee sees that, he's going to call a foul on you. You do it a second time, they might put you out of the game. If you run and jump up in basketball and somebody's going up for a rebound and you jump on his back and push him out of the way, they're not going to not call that on you because your name was on the front page of the sports page last week. They're going to go ahead and call it anyway. Because there aren't any exceptions. And I said that jokingly about referees earlier, and I really have a lot of respect for them most of the time. But God isn't going to change the rules in the middle of the game for you. Or for me. He's just going to say, this is the way it is. This is the way I wrote it. I wrote it that way because that's the way I meant it. I haven't changed it in all these centuries. And just because you are here today doesn't mean that I'm going to change it for you. Sorry, folks. That's just the way it is. The same word applies to you that applies to me. The same word applies to me that applies to you. If you want the blessings of God... Now, sometimes you may think the blessings of God are superficial things. The blessings of God are deeper than any superficiality. The blessings of God take you deep into Him. And sometimes our... Inexpressible and, and 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 unexplainable to someone who doesn't have that deep spiritual perception of how God moves in our lives. But His principles do not change. I can I can tell you that there are things that are said in the Bible that may have applied to an Old Testament time, but the principle of them, if we understand that principle, holds true for today. I'll give you an example. Look at your Bible where. And see what Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says. Luke 6, 38, you already know it. You may not know it until you get there and recognize it. But once you get there, you'll recognize it. If you've heard me preach very many times, you've heard me refer to this verse. It's a principle. It's talking about giving. It's certainly any kind of giving. Giving time, giving talent. But it's primarily talking about giving of your finances. But God doesn't limit it to that. You can't buy God's favor just because you tithe and you give. You can't go out and live like the devil and everything else in your life and expect the blessings of God to flow to you. Well, I tithe, and God said, if I tithe, He bless me. He also told you to live right and live close to Him and walk with Him and live by His Word. He didn't give you just one thing. If you took just one thing to have all the full blessings of God, heaven and glory and abundance down here, I'd find what that one thing is. And I'll tell you, I'm so carnal, I'd find that one thing, and that's what I'd do. And you would too. <laughs> but it isn't just one thing. It's the abundance of the teaching of God's word. And here's the principle. Give Luke 638. The principle now, the principle of return, the principle of giving back. Give and it will be given to you. That's the first thing. That if you give, it'll be given back to you. You can't give with that motive. God doesn't say if you'll pay your debt. I'll erase and you owe nothing. It's, it's a principle of loving God, loving his work, loving his kingdom, wanting to be a part of it, giving, giving, giving. Now, given, it will be given unto you. Here's the way God will give it back to you. Part two of the verse. Good measure. He won't cheat you, put his thumb on the scale and give you less than 16 ounces in a pound. God will be fair with you. Good measure. Pressed down. He'll shake it up so you can put more in the basket. Press down, shaken together, so that it can run over. When it's every aspect of the basket or the lap that you have to hold the blessings of God, when He shakes it and puts it right into the very top, He'll keep on giving until it runs over. It overflows. That's what God's Word says about it. And this is the giver. This is the this is the this is the part that puts the exclamation point on it. For you, for me, and for everyone, it's the very same thing. Here's what it says. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you again, back to you. So, So, if you use a, let's just say, if you've got a yardstick to measure what you give to God, but it's only got 33 inches in it. Most of you know a yardstick has 36 inches, don't you? You know that, okay? So if you've got one that's only about 36 inches, uh, 33 inches, and you start using that to measure, now this is going to measure out my tithe with this, I'm going to measure out my giving with this, I'm going to measure out my time with this, this is where I'm going to give it to God. God doesn't know that I'm using a 33-incher. I'm going to do that God. Don't anybody tell God I'm using that. He's going to take the very same measuring, Stick that you use to measure what you give to him to measure what he gives back to you. That's what it says. So if you, it's just simply this. It's not inches and feet. If you give to God in abundance with joy, God's going to return to you in abundance. And it may not be just in finances. It may be in healing. It may be in deliverance. It may be just in favor and joy. It just may be pleasure in your life. So that you know that the fullness of God's Holy Spirit is working in you. It's the blessing of God that's beyond price, that's really beyond measure. Because God will pour out on you, just like He said in Malachi chapter three, verse ten. Prove me. Here it is again. Luke Six Thirty Eight is a prove me verse. If you want to prove God, do what God said. Believe God and act on His Word by faith and do what God says. And if you do what God says, God will do what He said He'll do. You've got to believe that. If you don't believe that, you have no basis of faith, trusting God for anything. You have to believe God's going to keep His Word. Everywhere in the Bible that talks about your life, or my life, everywhere in the Bible that speaks to us about life, it it speaks to us about moving toward holiness. We move in the direction, every time we move towards God, we're moving in the direction of holiness. And I know that kind of puts a little barrier up with some people. That word holiness kind of
1: stirs us up
0: a little bit and say, well, God knows I sure am not holy and I can't be holy. In the terms of the scripture, yes, you can. You, baby, can't be a saint if you go down, stand down at Publix and have everybody that walks by put a little ballot in the box that you think I'm a saint or you think I'm not, most likely they're going to mostly vote no. Not because they know you, just because they don't think people can be saints. And yet the Bible identifies us, the New Testament identifies us as saints of God. We're the saints of God. Why? Not because we're so great, not because we're so holy, but because we trust in the holiness, the power, the cleansing, the purity, the glory of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And because of that, He makes us holy, not in ourselves, but in Him. Draw close to Him, and you will draw into the holy life He wants you to have. That's why I read the scriptures I read this morning, because it talks about so many, so much, it says so much. It speaks about really, really egregious things. And then it speaks about things that we don't think are really all so bad. And yet it's all right there and all put together for us to live our lives close to God. I really this morning, while I gave it a different title and I've referred to it a couple of times, I'm really still this morning preaching about proofing faith. I have found it difficult to look in the Word of God and not find verse after verse over and over again that I have to call this is a prove me challenge. This is a prove-me step right here. If I do Luke six thirty eight, that's a prove-me principle. God says He'll do and promises what He'll do if I do what I'm supposed to do. And I will tell you again and again and again, though I have looked for places in His Word and I haven't found them yet, and if you find some, please come and tell me so I won't keep preaching it wrong. I haven't found any of the glorious promises of God that are offered to us or made to us that come without conditions. Even salvation comes with a condition. You don't just walk in and say, I started coming to church, I'm saved. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That tells me if you don't confess the Lord Jesus and all that he is and who he is, all of his messages, His through you, don't confess the Lord Jesus and don't believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you're not saved. That's the the condition for salvation. And so if you meet that condition, it doesn't matter whether you think yourself, whether you feel saved or not. You may not feel saved every day. But guess what? Being saved isn't based on your feelings. It's based on the Word of God. It's based on your faith in the Word of God, trusting the Word of God. So if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, I'm making it very simple. And believe in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead. That's the condition for salvation. And if you do that, if you do that, guess what? You're saved. Whatever you feel like, whatever somebody else told you, whatever somebody came and knock on your door and told you, you've got to join this or join that, do this or do that, it's not true. All you have to do is believe what God's Word says, and that's what it says. And when you receive that, you receive that by faith. Literally believe what that Word says. The Bible says, then you're saved. That meet the condition, and the result comes. You believe that, then all the blessings of God start to fall in place. And when God's blessings start to fall in place, there are no exceptions to the glorious abundance that God can provide for us and that flow to us in the mercy, and in the plan of the purpose of God. So he makes no exceptions for any of us. Everywhere in the Bible it talks about your life. It talks to you about moving closer to God. It talks to you about being exposed to his holiness without exception. You know, I've thought a few times, maybe God ought to take a look at that and give us some time off. You know, he told us to Come and worship Him. Maybe maybe God ought to... What do you think would be a good day? Maybe God ought to give us Wednesday. Well, don't say Wednesday, we come to church on Let's say, maybe God ought to give us Tuesday. No, not Tuesday, because we have a prayer meeting. Uh, can't say... Well, let's say Friday, because everybody likes to go out on Friday night. Maybe we can tell God we're going to be faithful to Him all these other six days of the week. But please, we think we ought to have Friday off. I don't think I ought to have to do everything this Word says every Friday. I'll I'll try to do it Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I I think I ought to have a day off. What do you think God's going to respond to you when you go to say to Him, Lord, is it all right for me to take Friday off? I won't be attention to your Word on Friday. I won't do what you tell me to do on Friday. I know you'll come back and start blessing me again on Saturday because Saturday I'm going to start doing it again and get ready for church. You think He's going to bless you and do what? But well, just in case you think that I'm proposing a plan to you that you ought to try, I'm going to tell you you'd be stupid if you did. If you tried that, I'll tell you in advance, it's not going to work. God's not going to give you any days off. He's not going to give you any hours off. It's going to be full time with him or nothing. All the way with him or nowhere with him. You know, <laughs> there was a time. Two and a half years that God put me down on my knees and prayed and prostrated me on the floor before him morning and night were the greatest things that ever happened to me in my Christian experience because i, I, I tell you honestly, did, did believe that there are some people that it's so hard to forgive that God will give you an extended warranty on that forgiveness that you didn't have to do it right away you could work at it and try to get to it and try to make it happen and I worked at a lot of it. The only thing is, the more I worked at it, the less I was forgiving. Put it in the hands of God. That's what I was trying to do. I couldn't do it. So, But you, do you think God's ever going to come to you and say, that person that you really despise? Because they really did do you wrong. You have a right to be mad at them. You have a right to not like them. You have a right to make it clear that they're not a good person. Yeah, but do you think God's going to come to you and say, well, listen, you know, Bill... He might call your name instead of mine, Bill, You know, I, I know, I understand what he did, and nobody, nobody deserves to be treated like that person treated you. That was not fair. There's nothing good about it. And if you'll forgive everybody else, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll let you pass on this one. Well, I don't know about you, but he never did it to me. Maybe you've got a closer relationship that you can get that worked out. But when I tried it, it did not work. I had to forgive the people that, I don't know if they hated me or not, maybe they just act like it and didn't really hate me. Maybe they just acted like it. They just doing all their work. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but but I, I did learn this. It doesn't matter if that person is your brother or your sister. Or your brother in law or your sister in law. Doesn't matter if it's your mother or your father or your mother in law or your father in law. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter if your stepfather, your natural father, whoever has wronged you in your life and you've held the grudge on it. You may still be holding all or some of it today. I will tell you. That God is not going to make an exception and allow you to live in unforgiveness of that person and still pour out the blessings of his abundance on your life. He's not going to do it, friend. He's not going to do it. And you say to me, but pastor, if you only knew what he, she, her, him, it, them understanding about it. I might be more understanding about it. I probably would be. I've been there. I would probably understand it. Clearly understand it. But if you say, can you give me a dispensation so I don't have to forgive it? I can't do that. (laughs) I don't have the power or the authority to do that. And even if I did, I wouldn't do it because I know that would not be for your good and for your blessing. No, God's not going to make an exception on that. I've looked at some people. You know, I'm just going to tell you one person. I could... I thought about this as I was getting ready to preach this and I thought I made a list of people. I did, I, I mean mentally, I made a list. I could talk about that. But I am going to tell you this. I'll say it, I say it before I tell it to you. There's nothing you cannot forgive if you walk in the grace of God in your life. No matter what anybody's done to you. No matter what anybody has done, to you. what may do to you. I be, make no exceptions. I make no, no exceptions whatsoever. There's nobody in no situation you cannot forgive if you will depend on the grace of God in your life to produce the victory. I had one, one, one person. I had a guy that was the manager of a restaurant for me one time. Don't ever go into the restaurant business. That's just a side point. I had a brother who was a manager of a restaurant. And I noticed that the restaurant wasn't making as much money; it got less and less. And and one day I got a call from the landlord saying the rent hasn't been paid in its past due. I said, "What? And how could that possibly be with what the income was?" It's one of the first things you pay the people and pay the rent. I said, you got to do that. Buy the food next. So so I went out to. I went out and said, yeah, he said, well, you know, we just took in so little this time, I, I just couldn't quite make it. Well, I got hold of the books and found out that he had done several things. For example, he had bought his daughter a piano because you take a piano lesson, and they want to do it at home, so he bought himself a piano from the restaurant proceeds. He said he was going to pay it back. <laughs> I could name, well. So finally, one day, one day after a lot of stuff in Walked out to the restaurant, walked back into the kitchen where he was working. He was the manager working in the kitchen too. I walked back there and told him all these things, you know. Well, you know, I'm going to pay you back for that. But can you pay, pay, can you pay me back today? Well, no, but I'm going to do it. And, and yeah, it's true. Yeah, we did spend this and spend it. Yeah, but 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 uh, I needed that truck. The reason I bought that truck is I needed that truck. <laughs> and so I finally said, well, I'm going to have to. Big goodbye to you, you'll have to leave. He said, When? I said, Now. You mean right now? You mean to walk out right now? I said, I want you to walk out right now. Yep, fast as you can get out. We'll lock the door. Close it behind you and lock the door. We don't want you to change your mind because we're not going to change out. I didn't say all of that, but that was the attitude that was prevailing. So he left. He was gone. Now, I'm going to excuse myself a little bit for sounding so dumb. He was a good Christian man. That was his testimony to me. He sent me daily devotions that he read on a regular basis. Oh, this is a wonderful one that so-and-so wrote, Pastor, I'm not Pastor, but Mr. Bill, I think you'll really enjoy this. So he sent it to me. I it. was good. I thought he was doing what it said. Come to find out, he wasn't doing it. So I'd get a copy of a devotional from him every day. and, and, And now... Now, now you think, and you know me as your pastor, and you think when all that happened, I know what you think, and, and I appreciate it. You say, well, he said, oh, God bless you, brother. I'll be praying for you. I hope everything goes well for you. God bless you. I wish we could keep you, but, go ahead, but God bless you. I know you think that's what I did. I did not. I said, get out. Stay out. Went and called the police. A detective of the Neptune Beach Police Department who worked really hard to build a case against him. It was all right there, black and white, lined up. Prosecute him. I said, "Do you want me to prosecute him? You want me to go for this case." Yes. Why do you think I reported it? Prosecute him. That was full of grace. <laughs> Send him to jail if you can. <laughs> Then the prosecutor came, I don't know what his reasoning was. He said, Well, let's do this is not a big enough case, they wouldn't do this job, but we all do. It. So then the defendant said to me, He said, Mr. Register, well, if you want to do something about it, you can you can sue him civilly. You file a lawsuit against him. You might not get anything. You get a judgment, you might not get anything. It looks like you don't have anything, but you can file a lawsuit against him and get a judgment on him. I said, Let's get going with it. I call a lawyer, I know, let's get going with it. But somewhere along I wasn't preaching. I didn't have to report to a congregation. I didn't have to describe anything in my heart to you. I wasn't preaching at that time. I hadn't returned to the pulpit yet. But somewhere in my heart, I came to believe, and I think some people spoke good things to me and said good things to me and helped me. I came to believe it wasn't the best thing to do. Now, I'm not going to say to you I stopped to that because I forgave him. I stopped just because I believed it wasn't worthwhile to proceed. If I'd have had my way and gone by the way I felt and felt like there was anything I could do to damage him by filing a lawsuit against him that would matter, I'd have been right down to my lawyer's office the very first thing the next morning, and it would have been on the books and on the works and on the way. But friends and family helped me see it a little bit different way. Now, fast forward a little bit when I went down and I started this, I describe it to you as an intensive time of prayer. I don't know any other way to describe it. I was going to that two and a half years of praying and seeking God morning and night and crying out to God, "Change, do something in my life, make, make something out of the last part of my life, Lord. I don't want to waste it. I want to fill every day of my life, bringing the word of God, doing what you want me to do, fulfilling your purpose and your plan for me." And I started that, that, Kind of praying. And invariably, as I prayed along way, didn't all hit at the same time, but invariably, something like that would come up. And I'd see that guy's face. And it didn't take long before I realized. I had to do, not just in word, but in actual deed and reality in my heart, I had to forgive him. And I did. And today, if he walked in this door, I'd shake hands with him. I'd, I'd, I'd embrace him if he wanted to. I wouldn't trust him again. I'm not saying that. You don't, ha- you don't have to do that. But you do have to forgive. So whoever it is that's keeping you from the victory that the Lord wants you to have, whoever it is, if it's a government agency, if it's an individual, if it's a relative, if it's a friend, so-called, whoever it is, that's keeping you from the full flow of the blessings of God because of unforgiveness in your heart. You need to get rid of that. Let it go. Turn it loose so that you can receive the fullness of the blessings of God. You can't if you don't turn it loose. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. So one, one of these days I'm going to preach a sermon and I'm going to take to you about the first I'm going to pick out about the three worst things that anybody ever did to me. And I'm going to let you tell me which one you think, well... I couldn't limit it to three, maybe five. I'm going to let you vote on which one you think was the worst. I don't know why I would do that, because it doesn't matter how bad it was. I've already forgiven it. I've already forgiven it. There's nothing I can say to you this morning as far as I know. And this this did not come easy for me. Now. Before I came to this church, this is not something I could have stood up and said. I was a Christian. I would have gone to heaven, I believe, because I didn't have to take a chance on it. <laughs> Before you, any of you ever heard me preach, or any of you ever knew me or saw me, I'd already settled that. But, I did come to the place that I was able to say, I looked back at I looked back at people in my family and my life many who wronged me horribly. I looked at people in business relationships who, yes I wronged me horribly. I looked pe- at people in church relationships not as many, but there are people in churches, some of whom when I was a pastor just did me egregiously wrong. And all the things that I Ran down the gamut of, and I saw
1: as I moved down from
0: step to step, place to place. And all the history of my life, I saw all those things, and God required me to forgive every single one. Of them. And at first, it was hard to do. I do it maybe one by one, and I hold out for some other hold out. Maybe God would change his mind on some other thing, but He never did. So step-by-step, person-by-person thing. It, incident by incident, I had to, it, had to, it came up before me. And I had to stay on it and pray on it until I knew it was forgiven, and I held nothing against that person. I can say to you today, it was not always true, but I can say to you today that I don't know of anybody in this world that I have anything against, any grudge against, any individual that I've ever come in contact with, that's ever done anything. I'm not talking about ISIS over in the Middle East. Now, you know I'm... I'm talking about people that I have encountered that have been a part of my life. Just like I want to relate it to you, people that have come to you. If you're still holding something in your heart that you have not forgiven, my friend, I say this to you out of the depth of love of Christ. You're the loser. You're the one who will miss the blessings of God because of it. You hold that grudge and it will not do anything to that other person, but it will cause you great spiritual harm. Come to the place. Stay at the altar as long as you have to stay. And some of them don't go away easily. I know that. I've experienced that. I know it. I've had to forgive people after they were already dead. Because I still held that grudge. But God has brought me to the place that I can say honestly before you today. I can tell you the truth as I say. I don't know of anybody anybody at all, anywhere that I have anything against that I'm holding, any grudge against no matter what they've done to me I see things that people have done and their lives have had great grief and great sorrow in them I'm not happy about that but I do know this and some of you are dealing with it right now, you're thinking about it right now you're thinking on things right now that you've not turned loose it may have happened last week, or it may have happened ten years ago, or further than that. But you're still holding on to it. And you're going to have to let it go if the blessings of God are coming. Here. So the title of my message is, If God Can't Help Us, What Then? And God cannot help us if we block the way. If we stand up in a way, and live in a way, in such a way that we don't obey Him, that we don't listen to His word, we don't take care of what He says, then... He can't help us because he can't break his own precepts. But if we get in the place of trusting God, get in to prove me faith, I'm going to do everything I can do, everything I can be expected to do, everything you might even imagine, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to go all out for him. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to be right where he wants me to be by the grace of God. And I won't let anything anybody's ever done to me or said to me, I'm not going to let anything like that stand between God and me. I'm going to live for God in victory. And I know right now you're finding it difficult. Well, some things. It may take you a little while. You may come to this altar this morning. you may not get all cleared out. But start on it, friends. Start on it. Asking God to help you. Asking God to give you the grace. Asking God to fill your heart with the love. Everything it takes from Him do what He wants you to do, so that the way for God's blessing can be clear, and God can pour His blessings into you. With an unforgiving spirit, He cannot do that. He will not do that, because that's what His Word says. But you can get to the place that God blesses you. The only reason God can't bless you is because you won't let it. Remember that now. The only reason God can't bless you is because you won't let Him. The only thing that keeps the blessings of God from flowing to you is not the devil, not the demons. The only thing that keeps the blessings of God from flowing to you is you. Just like for me, the only thing that keeps the blessings of God from flowing to me is me.
1: If we'll do what God
0: wants us to do, the blessings of God will flow. And then it won't be if God can't help us. It'll be he can and he does and he is. Helping me, bringing me through, giving me victory because I've cleared the way for the Holy Spirit to work. I've thrown out the debris, the trash and the garbage of my life. I've said yes to Jesus and I'm going to live in a way that God can pour out his blessings on me. And when you do that, he will pour out the blessings. He will delude you with the favoring glory of his power when you do that. I want to do that, don't you? I want to do that today. I want to do it today.
1: In every way, I want
0: to do it today. God cannot bless you because you will not let him. But if you will let him by doing what his word tells you to do, you've got the victory. Don't let little things stand in your way. I guess there are some people not in church today because they heard "I was selling all-you-can-eat pancakes for three ninety-nine, And it's, it's not that they were going to close it down at 12. They were just afraid everybody would get yeah, their need them up before they got there. Now, I say that. It sounds facetious, but you see, that's the, that's the kind of way somebody thinks. Well, you, you, I've got to do this. I'm, I know Sunday's the Lord's Day. I've got to do it on Sunday because, well, I was planning to do it on Saturday, but I got involved in something else, and, uh, and Friday my plans, so I, I couldn't turn down my friend's plans to go out, so I've had to do it on Sunday past. I wish I hadn't said that, because too many people think now I'm talking about them. But the ones I'm talking about are not here, so go ahead and tell it. Okay, what do you want to do? You're going to be right where God wants you to be. You want to be under the spot where the glory comes out. You are going to be where the blessings of God are flowing in your life. Well, friend, you can be. You can't be. It's all up to you and me where we're going to be. How many of you believe that? Well, you believe what I preached this morning. If you believe what I preached this morning, it's true. It's what the Word of God says. If I missed it anywhere, come and tell me. But I believe it's true, and I believe because it is true, we ought to act on it. Amen. Everybody stand with me, please. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So all that's, all that's,